The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. They're tangling in the back of the pack. Here they come off four. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers download. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? Where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Taylor Burris and Justin Prince. Welcome to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Grosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Taylor Burris here, along with Justin Prince, with our producer, Richard Colbreth. This week's episode, we have a very special double guest feature event with the winner of the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series at Richmond, driver of the number eight junior motorsports Chevrolet, Michael Conti. Later on in the show, he'll also be joining us later on, Daniel Budafuco, who is the winner of the eNASCAR College iRacing Series at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Justin, a lot of great things happening in the world of iRacing. Of course, from the NASCAR side of things, Skip Barber, and of course, the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. So a lot to look forward to, but let's go ahead and kick things off with reviewing some of the special championship events that happened since the last time we were on the air. And starting off with the race at Richmond, a race that was filled with caution fest after caution fest for this race. But overall, Michael Conti is the first driver of the season to claim a second victory. And it's a big one, knowing the history of the Chaos Crew in particular. And Richmond Raceway, when it had its eSports branch, he was amongst one of the first drivers they supported in that said journey as well. Keep in mind, some of those connections, very emotional. And there's a reason, I think, Evan Pasoko said in his finish call, that Michael Conti's finally got his Richmond win. He's wanted a win here for years, and he was able to prove that he had a very competent car, was very preparated and prepared for Richmond, and knew how to get the strategies right at the precise moments. And that seemed to be the critical thing to the night, Taylor. Yes, track position, absolutely vital, as seen with Taylor Hurst in particular. But the main thing was making sure you were in the right position for the race win by the end of it all it certainly was and he was there to capitalize on a lot of people's mistakes if you think about it early on in the race driver of the number 95 for x set casey Kerwin, looked to be one of the most dominant cars during that race being able to hold off drivers such as michael conti along with logan clampett who was up towards the front of the field for a majority of the race as well but, unfortunate for those ones, they ended up finishing outside the top 35 and even some having to deal with other-ish situations throughout the race. I mean, Taylor Hurst, who was the pole sitter, led a majority of the race as well, ended up in sixth position because of all the chaos that happened during the race. And that's just the tough thing when it comes to a short track race with cautions, precautions. You never know if you end up getting a long run, and you also never know if you're going to be able to get some of those spots back if you elect to take the tires because it's almost a guessing game of what's the right lap to duck down to the pit lane when you have, say, two cautions in the first 20 laps or three in the first 25. That seemed to be the mindset for some of the drivers. Michael Conti, as talked about, got it right to the get-go on that strategy. Graham Bolin, second spot of the race, started in seventh, 
stayed up towards the front, was a part of a three-wide battle at Richmond, mind you, the action track for multiple laps that somehow didn't end in disaster in front of Nick Oninger, Corey Vincent, and Michael Guest. Keep in mind, Michael Guest had to come from 38th position in the Big Green Egg Machine and nearly got the egg splattered across the racetrack a couple of times in terms of some of the bumping and the baning. It sure. was the type of night you needed to be able to survive the trouble, but also pick the right times to make your pit calls to come in for tires, especially knowing you could essentially make it on fuel from around lap 20, 30 onward. It certainly is. And speaking of Corey Vinson getting one of his best career finishes in eNASCAR competition with a fourth place finish for Team Dylan Esports. Very strong for the Team Dylan Esports with a fourth and a sixth place finish. That team definitely now starting to make its way up through the field right now. But as we take a look at the championship runnings of the eNASCAR series, currently your top four is separated by four points. You have Steven Wilson with the win, of course, with 115 points. Michael Conti is in second, one point behind. Ottinger is three points behind the race leader. And then you have Femi Olatenbusen, who rounds out your top four. Everyone else is goes as follows. Graham Bolin, Michael Guest, Bobby Zielinski, Matt Busa, and then a tie for ninth with Jimmy Mullis and Blake Reynolds. We got to ask this one here, though, Justin. Do we feel like with this next-gen car... We're starting to see maybe some of the old favorites who we used to see back in the day of iRacing competition starting to show their strong colors here and being able to take you know a hold of this car and be able to be competitive week in and week out because we expected a lot of the rookies coming up to probably have some of the best runs. And this season, the rookies, as well as those who are returning for their second season, not really showing a lot of the pace that we saw from last season. Especially when it comes to qualifying, and it's seen many times over when it comes to eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series competition, especially with this car. You don't start off with good track position. It's hard to gain said track position throughout the night unless you have perfect execution from the get-go. Briar LaPrat, he was amongst those who was moving a little bit early on. He got shuffled back late as a result of some of the incidents. You had drivers like Parker Retzlaff. He ended up finishing in 36. The highest he got was around the mid-pack, just around the edges of the top 15 or so. You also throw in a few other drivers, too, that are returning competitors, like Derek Baudreau, who had a lot of success when it came to the early days of eNASCAR competition on the service. He was around the mid-pack after being involved in a couple major incidents. So you had so many drivers that you have to say you were expecting absolutely more of, based on some of their trends, in low downforce events, and in the past, prior to the update to the aero package on iRacing in particular before Las Vegas 2019. So in our words, it's the type of season, though, that the drivers who, for the most part, were championship contenders in the mid-2010s have shown great pace. Conti. Bowen is a youngster. We've known how he's been when it comes to these low downforce packages. Boost has looked pretty solid so far. Steven Wilson liked what I've seen from him so far. Salas, he's got to make sure to keep things in check, in my opinion, because he's got the pace too. You have a few different drivers you can talk about who've shown a good record of when you put them in a low downforce, high horsepower car, they can drive it to the front. It's just a matter of making sure that car has all the body panels on it still and isn't without a hood by lap 30. 
Certainly very interesting to see what will happen, especially as we make history in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series as we head to Bristol Motor Speedway, but we're not going to run the concrete. We are running the dirt. That's right. For the first time in competition in E-NASCAR history, we will be utilizing the Bristol Dirt Track in order to see who will come out on top. And this track here, I think, Justin, we will see a little bit of an equalizer when it comes to this situation. A lot of drivers are looking forward to seeing what they can accomplish here. Uh, some of them with dirt experience, I know for a fact, will be very competitive here at this track. But for those who may not be used to the dirt racing world, it's going to be a little bit different situation for them. And with the last episode of the iRacers download, Stephen Wilson kind of downplayed the World of Outlaws experience. Because you have to remember, he was in that series for several years on the late model side, Taylor. And actually at one point was amongst the top 10 in points by the end of the campaign in the middle of those three seasons. I think he's someone that might be one of the favorites, once again, based on the fact he's shown great pace at the dirt tracks in the past compared to some of the other competitors who have that pro experience, especially a late model side, like a Casey Kerwin. You can throw Logan Clamp into the mix from a couple years ago, for example, as well, where they... We're around the 20s when they did make it towards the feature races. So you have that difference in skill sets that I think is going to become prevalent for a lot of the drivers. But it's also the major thing to consider too, Taylor. Lots of drivers have taken the past half year or so trying to learn dirt. In particular, Nick Oninger and his experiences where he's been trying to stream his perspectives as he's managed to spin his late models around whenever he's driving the dirt. They knew what was coming. They've been trying to prepare to make sure they know how to handle Bristol. And they will certainly see who will come out on top, who will be able to win at the Great Coliseum as they get down and dirty at the Bristol Dirt Track in two weeks' time here as they can go to all of eNASCAR's streaming platforms in order to see the action along with iRacing's streaming platforms. Catch the action on April 12th at starting at 8.30 with a countdown to green and then the race kicking off at 9 o'clock. We still continue, though, our trends of all things E-NASCAR as we talk a little bit about the E-NASCAR College iRacing Series and with Rutgers University's very own Daniel Budafuco, who took home the win away and took home the win and the lead with 11 laps to go away from Wisconsin's Milwaukee University's very own Omar Diallo, who, watching Omar as well, Justin, He's not one as well to be messing around. He knows his way or two and a future E-NASCAR Coke driver along with Budafuco. Well, you have to remember first off when it comes to Budafuco, he has experience in E-NASCAR competition on different sims to keep it simple on that mark. It was the question of not if he'd make it to victory lane in the series. It was the matter of when, in my opinion, because he's been working for about the past seven or so months to learn how to drive an iRacing and quickly took to it like a fish in water. And with that race, he knew how to execute on the strategy, went with a bit of the fresher tires, played a bit of catch-up yes to Diallo, and ended up reeling them on in for that 11-lap-to-go mark. Diallo said himself after the race, he ended up burning up his right front tire just too tight to be able to defend. And it was one of the most thrilling races, I think, that you could see for that type of racing at Charlotte. And an emotional win, too, I think, for Budafuco. His biggest victory in NASCAR in years. And a big statement for those looking to keep an eye on him in his sim racing escapades 
on iRacing in particular, especially with the 20 laps led. They combined, by the way, the two of them for 48 laps led. Fiala 28. Yeah, the other driver who led some laps included Andre Castro, who ended up finishing in 17th. He led 27 laps. And then Logan Clampett led for a total of five after starting on the pole position for that event. Rest of the, your top five goes as follow. Austin Farr, Brandon McKissick, and Matt Kemp, who rounded out the top five in that action here at none other than Charlotte Motor Speedway. We will find out more where the next round will be as we get ready to see who will come out on top, which will be on April 27th at Watkins Glen International. So drivers have about two weeks to get themselves to have a shot of setting up 40 of the best lap time out of 40 spots available. Of course, the winner of this event will receive a $50,000 overall scholarship pool. So a great opportunity for some of these college drivers to get themselves out there in the world of eNASCAR, but also be able to help them get into their respective college. But we still have a little bit more to talk about, Justin, with the eNASCAR, and that, of course, is the road to $330,000, the eNASCAR Qualifying Series, Road to Pro, which, of course, kicks off at round number four at Richmond Raceway as well. Currently, Andrew Navarro is the points leader by a, over 30 points currently as it's tied for second between Jordy Lopez and Kenny Brady. Septa Merchant and Christopher Hill round out your top five. It, Justin, this series has always been very exciting to watch to see who could be some of the future stars of E-NASCAR competition. And we mentioned a couple of them who compete in the college series. Brandon McKissick, who sits 15th. You have, of course, some former E-NASCAR drivers like Brian Blackford, who sits in 21st. The Brady Boys, of course, who are well-known across iRacing as well inside the top 20. But the number one spot that everyone's looking for is that 70th position because that's where you can move on to round two later on in the year. Agno Phil currently in a two-way tie, in fact, with Jason Maines for that respective spot. Remember, Phil was amongst the drivers who made it to the second round last season in 2021. But in regards to the drivers who have started off fairly strong, it's a lot of the names that we've seen towards the top end for a few years, like the Jordy Lopez's and the Kenny Brady's and Septa Merchants of the service. But some of the others have absolutely been able to catch on fire to start off the campaign where they might not have won races yet, but they've been in the conversation to get strong points that get them in their positions in turn, like a Christopher Pfeffer, or you also can throw in drivers in that regard, such as a Justin Knobloch. Some of the drivers have absolutely stepped up and kept themselves clean compared to some of the luck I've seen last year. But I will say this about Anthony, Andrew Navarro, Taylor. I've had experience with him working in the past. This was about a year or so ago, in fact, nearly to the day. And I could see the talent from him that time alone, the dedication he had to learn the craftsmanship needed to build setups, to be able to find any ounce of speed, the amount of time he took to dedicate to find every little tweak, especially when it came to the super speed lanes at the time. I think it's not a surprise to see Navarro immediately setting the world on fire in RTP if you know that experience and how determined he was to showcase what he can do, especially over the past year. He certainly has. And looking at his stats currently right now, it's three starts already, two of them top fives, a pole, an average finish of fifth position. And he's completed over 280 laps so far. So, 
He is definitely up there. He doesn't have a win yet. That's currently held by Jordy Lopez, Septa Merchant. Chris Hill has even taken home two wins since his season started. And even Dalton Collins. So some of these drivers who have more wins, they just have not in the correct split in order to get the maximum points because drivers such as Chris Hill and Dalton Collins, they're sitting a more 80 to 90 points, even close to 100 points back from Andrew Navarro. So it just shows mm -hmm. consistency as well as being in the right highest split will help guarantee those points as well as the points lead in the championship. There's a reason that it depends really on the confidence level from some of the groups where some teams, they want you to be in that 6,500 to 7,000 range. Make sure you're in the top three split. Others prefer the 4,500 to 5,500 buffer. It depends really on group to group to be able to score maximum points and where you feel you can be the most efficient and be able to score what you need to get the top 70. There's a lot of thought process to that, but there's a reason so many good drivers that we've seen up to the ranks the past couple of years who had to scratch and claw in some cases to get there are making their way, charging ahead this season. By the way, Budafuko, funnily enough, he's actually 34th in those same standings. So just a little knock-knock in terms of the invasion from our platforms to iRacing for NASCAR Coke action. It certainly is. Now, Justin, I want to get your thoughts on this quickly before we take a commercial break to come back with more news regarding the world of iRacing. But we got to talk a little bit about the opportunity of how some drivers consider that 65 to 7,000 range or those who consider that 45 or that 5,000 to 4,000 range. You know, this is just the opening round. We still have another round to go to guarantee the top 20 after we get the top 70. Do you think drivers maybe consider the number to just try to stay in that top 70 is more important? Or do you think drivers should be like, no, I got to be inside that top 20 or that top 25 in order to be more safely secure? That's almost catch 22 because you obviously want to be top 70 to make sure you're in the second round as a driver. That's the goal for everybody. Make it to the second round where it becomes the snake split portion and you don't have to rely on the potential of the I ratings sorting out the splits. You have your competitors in your respective grouping sorted out from that point forward. The tough part is, though, how good you perform in the standings also dictates the respect from your fellow competitors. And also that said I rating range number, because some drivers may say, OK, I respect you've made it top 70. But I'm also nervous around X driver because of this number in the, that certain category or where you finished in the standings. There, it depends on a team to team and driver to driver basis, really, Taylor, where obviously, yes, you want to make top 70. And for if you're someone towards the bottom of the top 70 grouping, you want to prove them wrong. But it's also the hard hill to climb of making sure you prove said drivers wrong while also building the respected rapport up to make them change those set opinions that still stagnate in some drivers' minds compared to previous campaigns. It's a very good point to think about as well there, Justin. With that, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we will have more news of the week, as well as sit down with two of our special guests. We'll sit down first with the winner at Richmond Raceway, Michael Conti. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speed Support Podcast Network, presented by Crossley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media.
Welcome back to the iRacers download on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. We are back here, Justin Prince, along with Taylor Burris, Richard Colbreth, our producer. As we go into the world of road racing news, Justin, first things first, the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. It was at the famous Austrian hills and mountains of the Red Bull Ring, and it was none other than a Red Bull driver that took home the win as Sebastian Job wins there in exciting fashion to be able to close up that gap in the point standings between him and Diego Pinto, who comes home second in that race as well. The first thought, Job is back. He had a rough 2021 campaign, to say the very least, his has also had some rough moments in the past half year or so, representing Red Bull in various esports competitions. But now he's found his groove that seemed to be a bit slippery the past year in that competition for Porsche Tiger Esports Super Cup, to where, remember seeing on social media after the victory in particular, knowing how big that was for him to break through in a feature race in particular, get valuable points, to jump up to second in the standings. He was at the edge of the top 20, Taylor, just a couple rounds ago. But as a result, he's been able to charge his way and pounce his way ahead. It took him a, t- a moment, though, to pass one of the RHG Esports drivers, Julian Soren, to be able to take that spot. Keep in mind that RHG driver had led 17 laps after sitting on the pole with the inversion prior to that mark. And now it's a good spot for Sebastian Joe to try and charge ahead and see if he can get to one Diego Pinto, who still finished second, by the way, behind him, which doesn't make things easy to close the gap. It certainly doesn't. Currently, Diego Pinto has 275 points over Sebastian's 237. Then there's a two-point gap between Job and Kevis Ellis Jr., who rounds out your podium finishers in the championship after five rounds. With that, we take a quick short little break for the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. They return to competition on April 9th as we head to Justin's backyard in Montreal at the Circuit Gilles Villeneuve, the only North American stop on the tour for this long-time series as the action kicks off at 1.30 with the All-Star competition before the Super Cup cars go and do battle at 3 p.m. on twitch.tv forward slash iRacing. Of course, more information, go visit iRacing.com. Also, in other news, we head back into the United States for the Skip Barber Racing School as they went off to Virginia International Raceway, and it was Mikkel Gade who took home the win over Elvis Rankin, and Nicholas Mateo is the top three finishers in a very exciting race to watch these Skip Barber Formula 4 cars, Justin. It's really exciting. These cars are just so amazing to watch, so amazing to drive. And just seeing these drivers battle it out is absolutely amazing to watch. That was just in the first of the two features. Indeed, Miguel Gard in particular, experience at the top level in pro competition, has dominated in this said competition from the get-go. Elvis Rankin, the little king, continuing to maintain the pace showcase for the past five years or so. When he started showing that in Mazda MX-5 competitions on the service, before making his way to a lot of real-world races on the pavement and the dirt side. It's not a surprise to see those two towards the very front, but it's worth noting, very different tempo when it came to the second of the feature races, where it was Dagan Fairclough who took the victory with just the one lap led because Miguel Garda, of all drivers, evolved to some trouble after the leaders made contact on the final lap between him and Rankin to give him the said victory. 
absolutely bonkers way to end that round and end that respective run through. And because both cars essentially finished towards the back, more so because Miguel Guard finished 15th while Rankin finished 6th, the points gap between the two, Guard with 121, Rankin with 117, the two championship favorites so far. They certainly are. Deegan, of course, moves up to P3, tied actually for P3 with Nicholas Mateo, with Matt Busa, one of the eNASCAR competition drivers, finishing inside the top five in race number two. He finished ninth in race number one, but sits fifth in the point standings as they get ready to head into beautiful Watkins Glen International in New York for the next round. Of course, the time attack qualifying is open now and will be open all the way leading up to the race on Sunday, but just before 3 p.m., so we'll find out to see which 20 drivers will have what it takes to return to the Skip Barber Formula iRacing Series. $500,000 on the line. We're working on to have someone from Skip Barber to join us to talk a little bit more about the special partnership that Skip Barber and iRacing has, so stay tuned for more as we get that ready to go here in the future. As we come to a close for all the news of the week, Justin, though, one more thing to talk about. The iRacing Creventic Endurance Series returns to iRacing competition as they get ready to kick things off at Circuit de Spa Francochamps as the season opener for this event as it partners up with the real-world 24-hour series that is so well-loved here on iRacing, utilizing three different classes, such as the Porsche 911 GT3 Cup car, GT4 cars, and the Touring cars. And huge to see that come back into play because keep in mind, they've been organizers of special event competitions in the past, and now the official circuit makes its way on forward for drivers to showcase what they compete in when it comes to that side of things. I expect to see some fairly strong teams, of course, try and make their way forward in the respective splits and showcase what they can do before the next round comes into play all the way in June, mind you. So it's a chance to start off the season off on the right foot in that competition, be able to jump on in and say, I've won this round. I'm been able to dominate said round in 12 hours of racing action. And that is such a thrill for many of the drivers, especially when it comes to spa with its mixture of high speed. Yes, but it's technical sector two that really emphasizes that ability to make it to the corners. So you're good in the fast sections. Certainly is, and of course, it makes you wonder now with this Creventic series and the partnership that iRacing Creventic have had, along with a longtime league that has been a part of iRacing for a very long time, the Neo Endurance League. You know, with that partnership, plus with Spa being one of the main staples on iRacing with special events and many other racing events here on the service. You know, we just saw recently Spa got an update to some of the track and makes you wonder, could we possibly see that happen on the iRacing service in the near future? You never know. That's the tough balance, right? It certainly is. We'll find out more information as time progresses, but make sure to catch all the action, of course, on Race Spot TV for the Creventic Endurance Series as we look forward to seeing some of the action. Who knows? You may even hear the voices of myself and Justin Prince on the call for during some point of the Creventic Endurance Series this season. With that, we're going to take one more commercial break, but when we come back, we will have, of course, our special guest of the week, winner of the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, Michael Conti, joins us next on the iRacers Download. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosby Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. 
Just Prince Taylor Burris with our producer Richard Colbreth as we continue this week's episode of the iRacers Download by jumping on in to the mind of the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series winner from Richmond Raceway. The first driver to win their second race of the campaign in what has been a wild start to 2022 competition. It's Junior Motorsports driver Michael Conti. Michael, you've won at Richmond, a track that, as Evan referred to, a circuit that is very cherished in your past. How would you describe the emotions from you picking up win number two of the season at Richmond, knowing the background with the Chaos Crew and company? Yeah, Justin, I think you touched on it right there. Um, even even before the Chaos Crew, uh, Richmond has always been one of my favorite tracks to go to. Uh, and one of the uh, few tracks that I've actually been to in real life. So you know, it's got connections for me in the sim world dating back to 2002 with uh, my first NASCAR game. Uh, and then fast forwarding to the Chaos Crew era, going to the track back in 2018, performing in the amphitheater in front of some, some people. Um, that was a really cool experience. And then just all of 18 racing for Richmond Raceway, uh, you know, definitely... Uh, made that track one that I certainly wanted to win at, gave me a little bit extra motivation. And uh, for whatever reason, we've never been able to seal the deal. Cautions, track position, wrecks, you name it, it happened to us. And uh, luckily, uh, Tuesday night, all of the pieces finally uh, were put together and we came away winners. What was the race like from your perspective? Because from the perspective of seeing the action on track across the circuit, it looked like uh, the action track had a little bit of wildness to it. It certainly was more reminiscent of how the racing in real life used to be back in the early 2000s with uh, lots of wrecks, lots of contact. Um, and I think as the track has aged and progressed in real life and multiple grooves have opened up, it's it's spread people out. It's gotten them away from each other and it's it's calmed down. But as you said, definitely wild. And it was really just a product of a short race people running relatively the same speed. And then the bottom was, was really the fastest way to go by yourself. Top was usable if you were on somebody's door trying to be defensive, but it wasn't really a great means for moving forward. So just all of that put together definitely made people drive pretty aggressively, as you could see. And there was a lot of uh, take and not a lot of give. And whenever that happens, it's wild. So uh, I was just happy to be in front of it. The racing up front was really clean. It was certainly compelling still with uh, us us up front going at it uh, hard and, and racing uh, really close among each other. But um, I was just happy to be in front of the mess uh, behind me, to be honest with you. Countdown to Green touched upon this, too. With the next-gen car, Richmond drove fairly differently, to say the least, too, compared to the Gen 6 car, where they noted in particular some of the shifting taking place, third and fourth gears in particular. Talk about that. or. How was that transition to essentially going from usually you stay around fourth gear at Richmond with the Gen 6 car to having to shift and find that balance on top of that at a with a car that in some fixed competitions leading into the week had been having struggles trying to enter the corners? Yes. Yeah, so the, the whole deal with shifting, I'm not I, I can't really speak to that because I know I wasn't shifting personally. Um, we were in fourth mm. gear the whole way around now. Um, during the pre-race, uh, my crew chief, Adam Benefield came over and, and he was like, are you shifting? I said, no, I'm not shifting. What makes you say that? He said, well, it sounds like you're shifting. 
Um, so I don't know if it's some sort of weird thing with the remote cars when they get under a certain RPM, uh, you know, acting as if they're shifting, but, um, I was not shifting. I was in fourth gear all the way around, but to that point we weren't using fifth gear. So, you know, we've got a five speed transmission now and we didn't even use the fifth gear because we found that, uh, fourth gear just kept you in the RPM, uh, band a little bit better. So, um, you know, the transmission aspect of things really didn't change it up. I will say though, the biggest difference between, the way the Gen 6 drove around Richmond and how this new car drives is that you're able to use a lot more part throttle mid-corner. So you can really set the car up to be aggressive with how early you're getting on the gas. But then in that same token, you have to make sure that you're managing the throttle um, all the way through exit to minimize wheel spin and to get a straight exit to carry speed. So there are certainly some things you can do differently behind the driver's seat. Uh, shifting, however, not something I explored in the race. Thank you for the clarification on that, Mark. But now, first multi-race winner of the campaign. It took a long while in 2021 to do that. How does it now feel to have that monkey off your back, so to speak, where last year it was the badge of making sure you were in the postseason with how many different winners there were last year. Now, you already got two. I definitely think last year was was a learning experience for everybody in the field, given that it was our, our first season where it was uh, winning you're in. So uh, going into it, after we won Daytona, we were pretty certain we'd be uh, fairly comfortable in having that one win. But as the season progressed and more and more people won a race, uh, we quickly found ourselves in a position where we needed to then worry about points as well to make sure we were in front of enough people to where uh, if push came to shove, we'd have the points and the win which worked out, but um, fast forwarding to this year, we knew that if we could score a second win on the year, it would lock us into the playoffs based on that win metric. And all we would have to do after that is focus on just staying in the top 20. So it, it did give us a little bit more motivation to get that second win. But, but ultimately though, and as I said, pretty emphatically after Vegas, Going into this year, I just I felt like this was this was my year to capitalize. This was my year to to show all of the work that we've put in as a team in the last eight months or so to be to be this good this early on. And uh, you know we're just out there to gain as many wins as possible, to gain those bonus points, to help us through the playoffs. But you know more than anything, I just want to go out there and win races. You know that's like that's the best thing you can do. Uh, in this series, you just want to go out there and you want to win because it's the best competition in the world as far as oval sim racing goes. So if you can go out there and win races and be up front and get a lot of good TV time for your team and your sponsors, it's uh, it's a lot of fun and it, it definitely makes you want to stick around for a while. Michael, of course, last round at Atlanta Motor Speedway, not the best run, of course, for you as well. How does this win, you know, help you after that not great run at Atlanta, keep that momentum going for you? We know that you got the win earlier this season as well at Las Vegas, but keeping the momentum going for you, because remember if we had, when we had you back for your last win, you were calling the shot that this was the season you felt like you had what it takes to become a champion once again here in NASCAR competition. How did that now solidify that confidence going into the rest of the season? Well, it shows that we can, we can get it done on, multiple track types you know we want to race on an intermediate that's all well and good but when you get to the playoffs you've got an intermediate you've got darlington which is its own thing um, and you've got bristol a short track and then obviously the goal is to make it to the final four and 
that's at Phoenix, which is kind of like a hybrid short track, flat track sort of deal. So being able to win not only at Vegas, but at, but at Richmond, a track that will have a lot of carryover, I think, in the way you drive and in the way you, you know, shape your setup philosophy. It makes me feel really good about our chances if we get to the final four. Um, it just shows that we're a diverse team. We're versatile this year. Uh, we can do it just about anywhere. Now, as I say that, we're going to Bristol Dirt next race, which uh, is going to be an uphill battle for me uh, with very limited dirt experience. But that's more of your outlier. That's your wild card. That's not really going to transfer to the playoffs. So if we're just looking at playoff transfer, we, we won on an intermediate. We won on a short track. Um, so the way I see it, we're, we're firing on all cylinders. The team is working really well together. And uh, I feel like my execution has been really good, too. So we're just going to work on keeping that going, keeping the momentum going, and uh, just trying to, to, to get as many wins as possible before we get to the postseason. Hit Bristol Dirt coming up on the schedule for the next race in particular. That is the massive wild card of the season. How difficult will it be in turn to keep that momentum? As you said, limited experience in some of your drivers you've worked with in the past and technical lines mates. They've been all trying to learn dirt, but it's not an easy hill to climb for some. No, it, it's definitely not. And after running pavement oval for, uh, gosh, 16 years now in sim racing, it's, uh, it's definitely a very different discipline but there's a couple things that i think will help me um transition over into dirt uh, a little bit better than if i was on an island all by myself the main key is my crew chief adam uh, he's got a long standing um uh, in the dirt community um, he's done a lot of real life dirt racing and he's done a lot of dirt racing and i racing so i'm going to lean on him quite a bit to get me up to speed and then some motivation from a I guess from a business point of view, you know, my sponsor WR1 with Chad Wheeler, their their background is dirt. They do dirt racing in the Midwest and they and they do it very well. So it's it's important not only for me but for the sponsor to get them up front on a dirt track to the best of my ability. So like I said, not a lot of this, really none of this will transfer over into being a good indicator of who's going to be competitive when we get to playoff time. Uh, but every race is an opportunity to gain bonus points. Every race is an opportunity to continue the momentum. And, uh, you know, we're going to put just as much effort into Bristol Dirt as we did the last three races. And we're hopeful that we can get me up to speed enough and get the car to a place where we can uh, be up there in contention once again. Once again, thank you very much for the time, Michael. Congratulations on win number two of the season in the eNASCAR Coco iRacing Series. We'll see how things fare out on the dirt. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Once again, that's Michael Conti, driver of the number eight, Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports, your winner in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series at Richmond Raceway. We come back, we'll be taking the time to speak with Daniel Budafuco, the winner of the eNASCAR College iRacing Series race at Charlotte Motor Speedway and his big return to eNASCAR competition. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Karazu Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosswheel Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince, Taylor Burris, along with the producer Richard Colbreth, as now we turn things over to the eNASCAR College iRacing Series, powered by the NACE Star League, as it made its way to Charlotte Motor Speedway in a few days ago. 
And in that race, two different drivers showed dominating pace from the get-go. Omar, Omar Diallo, along with Daniel Budafuco, were the contenders throughout the day. But in the end, it was Budafuco, the 2020 winner of the eNASCAR Heat Pro League title, who picked up a college victory on iRacing. He's made his way through the climb through the sim racing ranks on the iRacing side, and has now had his biggest victory since 2020. Daniel now joins us in the iRacers download. Daniel, a huge victory for you, especially knowing how far you've come from that 2020 peak to make it back towards those set peaks. Now with the college victory. Definitely was a very big win. Thank you very much. It was, uh, yeah, to get into the field was a, a challenge because you're racing against so many uh, competitive racers in that series. Um, people who race in Coke series, people who have raced in Coke or those who are really competitive in Road to Pro. So to make the field was a challenge in itself. And then um, once you get the email to go to the race, you know, you have your practice session, then qualifying. So I did what I could to make sure that I was prepared I understood how the truck would handle with the thick setup at Charlotte. Uh, it was a relatively hot track. And um, made sure that I hit qualifying good. It wasn't my best lap, but it was good enough for third. And then uh, at that point, I knew I was in a very safe position to ease into things, save my tires a little bit, just kind of take my time. And uh, after a while, I started to, you know, make good decisions, try to pit when I could, or when it was acceptable. And then uh, after that, try to be smooth, try not to, you know, if people wanted to really push, I could let them go and then get them back later in the run and just try to be smart, make sure that I wasn't going to burn my right front tire and just let the race come to me and just hit all my marks at the end of the day. It was a definitely a very big win. Uh, didn't really see it coming. I was hoping for maybe, you know, a top five or at least a top three to uh, get some scholarship money, but just really make a good impression, try to be cool, calm, and collected and uh, not do anything silly. Uh, I'm not the best at fixed per se, so that win definitely came out as a little bit of a surprise. It was definitely a big confidence booster, for sure. It was a, a really big win, uh, not only for me, but for everybody over at Rutgers. It was a, a great achievement, I'm, something that I'm very proud of. What was the reaction like from the Rutgers community, knowing you were able to bring their truck to Victory Lane with their logos and colors on the car, in truck, I should say, but also in a truck designed by some of your family members, in fact, just talked about on the broadcast? Yeah, the Rutgers community, they were, everyone was very proud. Uh, they were very uh, shocked. Uh, there was a lot of people who didn't even know that uh, um, I I raced um, on iRacing, that I was a Rutgers student. So there was a um, Rutgers Esports sent out a tweet on their social media on Twitter, and uh, they had their little Discord as well. They uh, put a little uh, message through through there, and there was definitely a, a lot of uh, positive reception from that. And um, yeah, it was a really cool... Uh, tie-in. Uh, my mom went to Rutgers as well when she was in college, so there was a, definitely a, a great connection there. And my mom actually brought it up. She wanted to design a car because she was an art major, so um, she you know, she loves to work through Photoshop, uh, and she kind of wanted to teach herself how to make designs. She's slowly getting into it, and she wanted to be a part of this uh, something special. She, she designed a car uh, last time out in Daytona, and she wanted to make a different design for Charlotte. Uh, almost a very uh, stealthy design of a car, uh, mainly b all black there. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the Rutgers Business logo. I think it's uh, the red R and then the background is black, and the car just looked really great. A very simple, a very nice, sleek design. Uh, so to win the race uh, with a, 
you know, the family heritage, uh, the, you know, if your mom being an alumnus, I think it's alumnus. I, I forget the, uh, the, um, the plurality of that, but, um, mm-hmm. it was a, uh, just a, made it even that more special. So, uh, when my mama, you know, found out I won, I made it really, really special. It was a really, uh, a great, uh, a great way to win. It was a great celebration that really, uh, felt great to carry on that, uh, Butterfuga legacy through records. It was definitely a touching night knowing to, as mentioned previously, an eNASCAR Heat Pro League champion back in 2020. Of course, a lot has happened in regards to that respective side of the NASCAR landscape. Let's try to lean away from that part specifically of the drama that is that side. But what I do want to ask about is what was kind of the process going through your mind after what happened? to that side of the platform and then your transition in turn into iRacing back last summer. Well, yeah, so it was a, obviously was not a very easy decision to make to come over to here on iRacing because it's a very big commitment as we all know to uh, commit to something as challenging as racing in iRacing competitively, the iRacing Road to Pro Series, iRacing College Series, whichever series you're in, it's very, it's a very big commitment. Uh, It takes a lot of hard work and effort. Uh, after winning the championship, that was such a huge accomplishment. Still, as I would say, in sim racing terms, probably one of my biggest accomplishments. And, you know, I was still pretty... Conf- I wanted to win another Pro League championship to try to prove that the first one wasn't um, a fluke, per se, because I definitely feel like over the course of that season, I feel like I could have been a lot better. And then I met a lot of, I met a lot of people who did iRacing competitively, and they were really wanted me to... Uh, get into iRacing, uh, try to go f- to Road to Pro and try to eventually make it to Coke. They were trying to inspire me, motivate me to race on here. So I was like, okay, I'll give it some thought. And then, you know, after watching more Coke races in depth and, you know, knowing some people who were in the Coke series after a while, and uh, after getting iRacing back in May, uh, it definitely, you know, I started to think to myself, you know, yeah, this is something I really want to do. It looks so cool. You know, the broadcast uh, was really awesome to watch, you know, seeing 40 of the best racers on, on the service go at it and uh, race for race for wins, you know, race for a playoff spot, race for a championship. You know, that's everything, you know, the whole competitive aspect is everything I've always wanted and always dreamed of. And, um, you know, that's just always something I've wanted to get to. I've always wanted to keep continuing to better myself and try to make myself an even better racer, better person, and, you know, to try to keep challenging myself step by step. And I felt that over time, this was something I really wanted to pursue. It was always in the back of my mind. You know, I always said to myself, you know, oh, this would be really cool. You know, this would be really cool to uh, do this one day. And, you know, never really wanted to fully commit to it. But then after, you know, when I got in May, I ended up watching the uh, Charlotte race. I was like, yeah, this is something I really want to... uh, Really want to pursue something I really want to achieve and um, accomplish. And you know, after then, I started to really work hard, try to do official races, try to work my way through the classes, and try to get my outing up to try to be up into the higher splits and just learn all the little tips and tricks here and there. And from then on, it's just been a very, a very hard, a very challenging, but a very rewarding journey. Uh, it's happened very fast, but uh, a lot of great people have gotten me to where I am today. It's for sure, definitely a lot of a lot of great people, and I'm forever grateful of that. Well, you certainly have been on an absolute per- great performance in the 
one of the ladders of eNASCAR competition, the eNASCAR Road to Pro Qualifying Series, and you're currently sitting 16th in the standings, so very comfortable at least to make it into round two this season. But looking at your stats, for the four starts you made, you picked up one victory, two top fives, one pole, an average finish of 11th, and about 80 laps led. So a very strong performance for you so far, Daniel. And where can you suggest that a little bit of that success has been coming from with all this hard work you've been putting in to make it into that World Championship Series, possibly in 2023? A lot of great people. Um, it really has been. I, I race in a team called Norse Force Racing. Um, my buddy Parker White, who's my teammate over on that team, uh, he recommended me to them and i had a little interview with them and they really you know they felt that i was going to be a, a good fit and then i ended up getting on the team which is great that's something i uh, never thought would happen and from then on just everyone over on the team has been super welcoming super helpful uh learning setups learning tips and tricks uh how to get around certain racetracks um you know or specific styles of racetracks uh, how to save tires better because that was that's always been my Achilles heel and something I still need to work on. But uh, you know, making setups, you know, or at least adjusting setups, and just uh, everything on the competitive side. Uh, they've been super helpful. My spotter David and um, Vince uh, have been very helpful with me. You know, especially in races, they were very helpful f uh, in me getting the win at Atlanta two weeks ago uh, in second split, probably one of my biggest wins on the sim. Um, they've been very helpful because that was a fuel mileage race. So how much the fuel save and, you know, trying to with a track like Atlanta and how tire abrasive it is trying to keep cool and try to make certain moves when, uh, you know, when to push, when not to push and just being patient. Cause that track is definitely a patience track. Um, also uh, making my tops with debut last night at Richmond, were very helpful in making adjustments over the course of that race. Um, you know, also making sure, you know, I recommended a two tire strategy, making sure I kept cool, calm, collected, spotting at very crucial points of that race. I don't know if anyone has watched that one, but going four wide at Richmond is not uh, ideal, but I ended up putting myself in those positions and making sure that I wasn't getting myself wrecked out there. So they've been very helpful in that regards, but also to other people outside of North Forest Racing, I have to say, uh, my buddy J.D. Laird, who is sponsoring me in this uh, series, he's uh, been there from the very start, I think, ever since when I was in Street Socks and Arca. And, um, you know, saw me climb through the C-class and then B-class and has been giving me tips along the way. Um, you know, he's been a great friend of mine and a lot of other friends who I've known from him, you know, guys like Donovan Strauss and, um, you know, Briar LaPrade and Vicente Salas, uh, just a lot of guys who have been super uh helpful and just um great friends of mine um uh, and the list goes on and on and on you know guys who have raced up in road to pro like anthony burrows and um max brady just a lot of those guys have been very helpful and been just great people to hang out with you know away from the competitive side of racing too that's what's really important is making sure that you know you don't over that you don't burn yourself out from this because it is very it is very competitive it is very challenging but it is important that you don't put yourself in a position where all you think about is competition you know how do i get better you know it's important to keep bettering yourself and keep thinking about ways you can improve ways you can either set up your car better or ways you can approach races better anything to improve your race craft or your race iq but also to really be around great people who 
you can talk with, hang out with, and just share a laugh, you know, play other games, for example, and just take time away from the actual racing. So it's, um, that's been very, very, very helpful. And, you know, those friends too can also help you a lot with, you know, morale boosts as well, um, trying to help you, you know, what there's, you're going to experience highs and you're going to experience very low lows. And, um, those friends go a long way when you uh, have a really tough race and, you know, have people to talk to when you try to bounce back after a tough race like that. So, my experience so far in iRacing is it, you know, it goes deep from people within the team I'm in, but also the people who have helped me and who have seen me grow and develop from a long way since the start. It's definitely been a uh, a very humbling journey, but it's something that I've, I, it's it's been amazing, really. It's I, I look back on it and it's crazy, you know, how many great people have gotten me to where I am. It's been incredible to see the amount of hard work you've put in and as someone who's seen some of those respective groupings you're referring to to help with that process, seeing a lot of that support helping you along as you were racing in many of the races, trying to get yourself positioned for RTP for this year. There has been our, an our constant, though, I want to touch upon, too, is when you won that championship in 2020, it was a part of Jermaine Racing. Of course, that is no longer a team in operation with 2311 Racing taking over that said charter in 2021. But the iconic number 13 has stayed on all your vehicles since then on iRacing. What came to that decision and that support to keep that connection going with the team you won in the NASCAR heat scene a couple of years ago? It's your main racing. Racing for them uh, back in 2020 was just a great experience. You know, uh, it was a new team then. I had to go through that whole draft process uh, once again because uh, it's kind of like the the I guess the the equivalent of the uh, contender series back then I had to go through the three preseason races and pretty much market myself once again as a racer through those three races but also make a video of myself and Jeremy Racing uh, to the opportunity to uh, sign me for that season and just everybody over in that organization was very kind and welcoming um, you know Sam Jones who I believe now works for uh, Petty GMS. Uh, she is pretty much the team leader of Jermaine Gaming, which is the uh, esports uh, racing team, like as it as it was branded. A very helpful, incredibly kind person, but it's just a really great mentor figure. Um, someone who is always very helpful for approaching races and how to improve myself on social media, and also my teammate Kyle Arnold, who does a little bit of eye racing here or there. He was a uh, another mentor figure and definitely helped guide me to. Uh, um, great directions, help me with setups, and just help me with just race um, approach, which was definitely very, very helpful. And just my whole experience of racing for Jermaine, Jermaine Racing was just great. I mean, great people, and just it was an experience that uh, I just I'm just forever grateful for. And um, a lot, of, and just I kept using the 13 because just because I just had an awesome, just because it was a great experience. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the people there was. It was great, you know. I felt like I was at home. It just felt like I had a great uh, connection with everybody on that team, um, even with Geico at the time. And I think at that point, people kind of started to recognize me as the guy, as the Geico guy. People who uh, saw me race a 13 car a lot, and also my car was in the video game too in NASCAR Heat Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a lot of people who connect who connected me through there and. Um, there's some of my friends even races me in a video game and they're in respective leagues, which is pretty crazy to think about. And 
it just kept, it kind of came a number that I started to associate with, and I just I kind of wanted to keep that going uh, as well. So, you know, but had a great time German racing, and just that thirteen number was something that I started to just associate with deeply more and more, and kind of wanted to keep that going. And I just felt like that was just a number that was uh, kind of close to me after winning that championship with Jermaine Racing and, and Geico. And um just felt like it was only right to just keep that number with me. I mean, it's maybe not the luckiest of numbers, but I think it's given me some good success. So, mm-hmm. um yeah, I just felt it was cool to keep that going and just keep that little, uh, I guess, that little tradition from Heat going. It, was, it just, uh, just felt right, honestly. And in turn, keeps the spirit of Jermaine Racing going. Absolutely, yeah, definitely keeps the spirit living on and just a way of, uh, I don't know, just showing that I'm appreciative of what they've done for me in my Eden career because they're the ones who really helped me grow as a driver, grow as a person, and just grow in every aspect of uh, of life and just, you know, in Enascar in general, just how to improve because a lot of it is just, you know, how you promote yourself and how you get yourself out there and just there's a lot of aspects to it. So it was definitely a experience that I, I will never forget. And I'm forever grateful for. So it was a, yes, it was definitely a way of showing my appreciation in a way. Where can fans follow along with you as you continue your iRacing journey to try and become one of the few drivers who's had that chance to run in both sides of the eNASCAR top echelons of the sport. Where can fans follow along with you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me at LuckyDog underscore 38 uh, on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, those are the two uh, social media accounts that I use often. Um, don't really use Facebook anymore. I used to, but not as much. Um, but yeah, LuckyDog or at LuckyDog underscore 38 on both Instagram and Twitter is where you can follow me at. Uh, if you would uh, check it out. And uh, also, I'm planning on maybe trying to do a little bit of Twitch streaming too. Uh, my Twitch is LuckyDog2000. Um, not sure when I, I meant to stream last week, uh, with my friends, but I didn't really work out. I needed to put my stream key in. Uh, I just kind of put that last minute, so I was unable to stream then, but hopefully maybe in a couple of days I can start streaming, uh, again, or, well, maybe not again, but, uh, start streaming. Cause I feel like that's a really good outlet for a lot of our users to use to really promote themselves. So yeah, Twitch, uh, Twitter and Instagram, you know, follow me there. Once again, thank you very much for the time, Daniel. Congratulations on picking up the huge victory in eNASCAR College iRacing Series competition. Good luck the rest of the year on that front, as well as your journey towards Coke. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a great honor. And uh, yeah, hopefully we keep this momentum going. Thank you guys so much. Once again, that's Daniel Budafuco from Rutgers University, the winner in the eNASCAR College iRacing Series at Charlotte Motor Speedway. With that, it's time to say goodbye for this week's edition of the iRacers Download. For my co-partner in Taylor Burris, for our producer Richard Colbreth, my name's Justin Prince saying so long. Enjoy the rest of your time. You've been listening to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosswood Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media.